Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the O Show podcast brought to you by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona, in the heart of Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale offers an authentic experience for those who want to learn from Floyd Money Mayweather's techniques and training regimens. Head on down to Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale. The grand opening being announced very soon. Construction just started on, or it's going to be starting on July 9th, 2021. And get on down to Mayweather Boxing and Fitness here in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is episode 377 of the podcast with our very special guest, as you can see right there, that handsome fellow right there, Mr. Darren Darnborough. How are you doing, man? Hi there, Jack. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. We were talking a little bit before we came on about your home and how you just moved out to Hawaii. Beautiful backdrop, man. I got to say. Thank you very much. Beautiful backdrop. You're a very busy man today. You've had a lot on your plate, and you're able to squeeze some time to talk to a youngster like me, so I definitely appreciate that. No, I'm really, really happy to spend the time. You're doing great interviews with amazing people, so of course, I feel honored to be here. Well, I appreciate the kind words. So so it's been two months since you moved out to Hawaii? No, I moved in uh, February, so I've okay. been here, yeah, what's that now, like four months, four or five months, yeah. So does it get hot in the summer months, or is it a steady pace through and throughout? It's hot right now, and it's it's like permanent hot. So it is a little too hot for me, this place, and it's it's very, very regulated. So it, it's always kind of the same temperature. It might fluctuate up and down a little bit, but the, the evenings are as hot as the days, and each day is as hot as each other. So I'm, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. We're in Phoenix, Arizona, so it's like, again, 300 degrees right now. It's not going down anytime soon. Right. They say you got to get past uh, June, July, and August to really love it here. So wow, you've got a couple of months then. We're getting there. Yeah, we're in the I lines then right now. Used to live in Vancouver there. last year though, and they just had like I think 105 or 110 degrees. No way, really? All the way up in Canada, yeah. So it's getting crazy. That's nuts. So, so out of all the places that you've lived, what's been your favorite? Because it's been Vancouver, it's been LA, it's been you know Honolulu time. London, yeah, London, you know, what do you enjoy? It's, it's funny because people ask me that all the time. Um, I, I've lived in a few different places in the last few years, but then in 2019, I, I was traveling full-time around the world. So I went to about 40 different cities, um, 16 different countries. And, you know, the main place I've lived fully is, is LA, London, and Vancouver, and now Hawaii. But every place has its own own thing, you know. Like, I think Vancouver is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. You know, um, but then Hawaii, for instance, has just and the people are so lovely here. They have much more community spirit. So, you know, what lacks in one place, you get in a different place. I really love Sydney, Australia. I love Hong Kong, yeah. you know, um, but L.A., I just got back from a trip to L.A. actually. I, was, I got back uh, two days ago and I hadn't been for a year and a half. And, you know, L.A., all its faults, it is a really special city and it's just got so much going on at night. 
I feel so inspired there. The people I meet are really aspirational. Um, you know, and some of the most impressive people I've ever met in the world uh, have all been in from LA. So, you know, it kind of reminds me when I go back that that happens there. I mean, it's so spread out. There's so much opportunity. I grew up in New Jersey, like about 10 minutes outside Manhattan. And they are, yeah. they're always comparing, like, because I lived out in L.A. for a summer as well, like, L.A. or New York, New York or L.A., like, they're completely different. You can't really compare the two. I know they're the two largest cities in the U.S.A., but they're, they're yeah. completely different. I definitely agree with you on L.A., because there's so many different opportunities and, and, and chances to network. Just researching you alone, I think you are probably one of the masters. I think you've mastered networking for as far as you know just connecting with people getting to know people kind of getting to know what makes them tick to you know further those relationships and get to where you want to go because again you've lived in so many different places you've been to so many different places for work you know there, there's a lot you know that goes into that was that kind of you know intuition from the beginning was it more of just like experiences uh, throughout you know wanting to be an actor wanting to be a filmmaker you know what, Jack? It's interesting you said that because, like, it. I, I'm often told that I'm good at networking, right? Um, I I don't really love that word in right. general because I feel like it sounds uh, it sounds fake, right? Premeditated and forced, yeah. So what I try and do is, is is I explain it. I actually love building relationships, and that's the truth. It's like I've always been interested in people, um, and you know, a few years ago when I was, I was delving into, I, I often read a lot of self help books, and you know. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of positive reinforcement, things like that. And when I was delving into that world a lot a few years ago, I was trying to define what my passion was. I'm like, is my passion acting? Is it filmmaking? I also run businesses and I love running businesses. Is it innovation or entrepreneurship? And what I, I landed on was that my purpose in this life is to build community. Because no matter what I do, whether it is in the film world or in business or in charity, anything I do is always about bringing good people together. And that's that's where the sort of networking comes from. Um, and really the, the cornerstone of that is building good relationships. And I'm, I'm genuinely interested in people and what they do. I love psychology. I love seeing what makes people tick. But more than anything, I really love seeing people succeed at what they want to do. So if I can help that in any way, it makes me happy. And so that's really how I build relationships. I'm always on the lookout for how I can help people and it comes from a genuine interest in so many different things. Um, and that is really sort of my downfall as well, is because I do have my fingers in a lot of different pies. And I, do, I am genuinely excited by different opportunities. So sometimes I look like I'm all over the place. I feel like it doesn't consume you that way either. Like you're very busy, but you're passionate and excited about everything that you're doing. Like you might not have a lot of time to do stuff, but it's not consuming you because you love what you're doing. Yeah, well, I think I've sort of mastered leverage in many senses because I, I've done these things for so long that I know how to put concentrated time into them and do multiple things at once. Um, but also, you know, there's there's a sort of common theory that, that you know, you used to think about multitasking as being as a, as a, a good thing. Like there was a, a whole period in the 80s where multitasking was, was you know, desired. And then people started realizing, you know, you want to focus, you know. Um, there's a, a podcaster called John Lee Demas that his whole thing is follow one course until success. Right. focus. Um, and I appreciate that as well. But what I find is that a lot of the things I do actually feed in and help each other. So my contacts in the film world are very helpful when I'm running a charity event because 
They're the people I can ask and call on to provide the talent. They're the people that people want us to pay money to see. And then you can bring in uh, gifts for an auction from those people. So it all intertwines. Um, the same as my businesses. You know, my current business, We Audition, is a, a platform, a video chat platform for access to audition and rehearse. Well, that, that's a business. It's a SaaS software. So I'm in the tech world, but it also feeds into my film and acting worlds as well. So um, I just think it's, it is important to focus on things, but to, to not miss the way industries can intersect. And that's where I think we get innovation from. Now, do people that you've worked with feel the same way? Like, obviously, if everybody's in tune with what's going on, the the experience is going to be way smoother no matter what's going on that day, whether you got problems with, you know, live production like we have in this studio from time to time, or whether it's people aren't getting along, relationships aren't that strong. Do you feel like people, there's some people that think the way that you do, and then there's some people that flat out are there to, you know, make money and just they're there for their own agenda? Oh, there's definitely a lot of people uh, out there for their own agenda. And, you know, you, you can you can pick up on those. And I think, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if, if somebody's got a singular focus and they're, and they're going for it, I, I respect that as well. Um, when it comes to like, problems, though, I think if as long as you show up and you deliver and you deliver what you're supposed to be doing, it's hard for people to have a problem with it. And, mm. you know, so I tend to set expectations low and then exceed them. <laughs> That way no one can have a problem. But, you know, that's, that's good. On, on that note, um, it's important to pick who you work with and, and be honest with them as well. You know, like my my team, my acting team, for instance, my agents and my managers and stuff, they know that I have a business. They know I'm in Hawaii. We all communicate about it. But what they also know is if I say I'm going to turn in an audition, I will turn it on, on time and it will be good. They know if I have a job, I will fly in for it and I'll be there on time. So as long as you deliver on your promises, and, that, you know, obviously that takes time for that trust to build. My business partner, Richard, who's amazing, he's in England. He's the business partner on the audition thing. He's also an acting producer. So he understands that I have this other life because he does too. And as long as we're both putting 110% into our business, who cares what we do outside of that time? You know, in fact, that's what helps inform us to make that business the best we can be. Is Richard kind of like the same, you know, have the same mindset as you when it comes to, you know, building relationships and connecting with people? Because again, we audition, you guys have co-founded and have been a part of for nearly seven years now. I feel like you guys have to have like that same intuition, that same mindset to grow it. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we, I always compliment him on this uh, and even to him in person or to other people is that we kind of have the same brain. It's like a relationship. You know, if I, if I go away for a week somewhere and I can't get onto, you know, the, the tasks that I normally do, seeing him do them, he would do them exactly the same way as I would. So there's ne it's almost like we think the same way we communicate the same way. And that's why we build a good product together. Because if we ever do disagree on anything, it's a it's a disagreement to come to a better solution if that makes sense it's mm. not just arbitrary disagreement and so you know and it's very very rare that we have any kind of argument wow. but when we do we always come out with something better because it's a respectful argument of, of challenging each other on the why you know because you know what um, the greater goal is too right right and that, that's the point it's not about disagreeing with your partner it's about are we are we trying to get up here and if we are sometimes it needs it needs a disagreement to challenge your way of thinking 
in order to progress. So when it comes to his experiences and your experiences, what sparked the idea for We Audition? Um, so what, what actually originally sparked the idea, we had a third co-founder um, called Jessica Rose. Jessica's a friend of mine from, from L.A. Well, she lived in L.A. She's from New Zealand, actually. And she was uh, the first ever YouTube star. She was the first person oh, to wow. get a million views on YouTube. Um, and we used to rehearse lines together through video chat when we couldn't be together in, in a you know, in person right. because one of us was working or whatever. And one day I was on a, a sitcom and Jess texted me and said, hey, I've got this audition through. Can you help me run my lines? And I was like, uh, I'm, I'm working right now. I'm in my dressing room. And she's like, well, can we just do it on video chat on like FaceTime or whatever it was, Skype? And uh, I said, well, I've got lines to learn myself. I'm about to go on onto this sitcom. And they, they change your script very quickly on sitcoms. So I said, I've just got a whole new page of stuff to learn. I can't. She ended up doing it with her mom in New Zealand. Who's, you know, great, but not the best person to read your lines with. Right. Um, and that sparked a discussion between us about what if there was a community of people that at the tap of a button were ready to read with you. And I'd actually built um, a previous company, which was a marketplace company uh, called Stuck the Star, which was a, a marketplace of promotional models, you know, the pretty guys and girls that hand out free stuff. And so I, I had experience of building an e-commerce model that dealt with people sharing resources. And so I said, well, let's, let's do this. Let's make it a worldwide marketplace. So when you're coming home from your bar job in LA, you can find a rehearsal partner in Australia that's awake and ready to read with you. And there'll be an actor and they will have skills. And so that's wow. what we built. Now, Richard came into the mix because, uh, I, I'm a, you know, I've been a previous CEO, I've been a previous founder of the company, but I don't have the technical coding ability. And I knew the perfect person, which is Richard, because he does, he's a, he's a coding genius, and he's also an actor and a producer, so he understands the why of what we're building. And, you know, I, I called him up, I said, you want to co-found this? And he was like, straight away, he's like, I'm in, yep. because I needed this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so how um, long did it take to build that up kind of get the word out there because again you gotta again promote it market it and at the same time people have to buy into it and like you said like you you and him alone just like oh man i wish i built this 10 years ago because i have to do this all the time how long right. did it take to grow it i mean it's a process we were knocking the the idea around for a good six or seven months because at, at the time you know i was working in hollywood i was I was focusing on my acting and I didn't really necessarily want to build another company at that point. So I was a little resistant to it, but the idea is, you know, when an idea just sticks and you can't put it down. Um, so we probably like refined the idea about over about seven or eight months, set up the company, raised, raised some finance for it. Um, then the actual build time was probably about six, seven months to launch. Um, we launched on tax day, uh, very strategically on tax day in, uh, April 15th in 2015. We had a big Hollywood launch party on Sunset Strip. Um, and you know what? Yeah, people were excited about it. We've got some good press. People were excited about it. But And we leveraged, you know, talking about relationships, we leveraged all of the relationships we had in Hollywood to bring these people together, you know, casting directors, directors, producers, actors. Um, and one of the things that Richard and I are both very good at, in a sense, is we're not precious about our contacts, right? Right. Um, we we realize it's not a competition. I'm an actor. He's an actor. These are all actors, but I, I believe if it's my job, it's my job. And if it's your job, it's your job. I'm not in direct competition with you. Um, and so that way we were able to bring our contacts into the mix to benefit everybody. 
rather than keeping them close to our chest. And so we got kind of a little cult status, I guess, in LA when we first launched because there was nothing else out, out like there, uh, nothing else like it out there. But um, over the years, you know, it became something that people used as a, as like an SOS service. If they couldn't find anything else, they would use the audition. But once they, like if they couldn't find a friend to read for them, for instance. But once they used it, they realized it was superior because they could get the exact kind of person they wanted with the exact skills. And it was transactional. So they didn't have to feel like that person was doing them a favor. They didn't have to rush themselves. And people started booking, you know, jobs through it. Um, then fast forward to the pandemic, we became not SOS anymore. We became essential because people physically weren't allowed to go to their friend's house. Right. And so if you wanted to continue your acting training or you did have auditions because some, in, you know, some locations opened up the industry sooner, you needed a video chat solution. And so we really thrived during that pandemic set, uh, section. Uh, and amongst major casting directors, like the casting director of The Witcher was using it every day just to meet new actors because her show had gone on hiatus. And wow. so that's about that giving back thing. The casting yeah. directors out there for the big Netflix shows, they were they were coming and meeting new actors every day just to keep people inspired and in the mix. And that definitely has to separate the workhorses who actually want to do this as opposed to the people who say they want to do it, but now they really have no excuse not to do it. It's like, it's right there in front of you. You're locked in your house for a year. Here's yeah. we audition. You can connect with whoever you want to connect. It's easy. You know, you, you, you sign up. You, you, like, what are the different types of payment plans? You guys have different... Well, we like to keep things really simple. There's a monthly payment plan. There's an annual payment plan. And the annual you get two months for free so it's, oh, just, wow. it's a really simple uh, simple system you, you're right you know about the the whole thing of if people want to put the effort in and our site is all about that if you are a professional actor and you want to put the effort in then it's there for you but it's a marketplace they said so you only get out what you put in if you get involved you'll get great benefits from it if you just sign up and don't ever log in then nothing's going to happen for you Oh my God. And that again, kind of goes back to your intuition and in a sense of wanting to help others out, building those relationships. Do you remember like the first time that, you know, you decided this is what I want to do and how you kind of wiggled your way into a certain door to connect with someone? Do you mean uh, the acting that I wanted to do? acting, yeah. or You know, I don't remember the first time per se, because I was, I was performing when I was a kid, you know, I used to go to dance classes when I was like four or five. So I was doing dance competitions at weekends and stuff. And that was fun. But I stopped doing that probably in my, like, when I was eight or nine, maybe. But I do remember um, going to a pantomime when I was 11. So pantomime is like a Christmas musical in England. They're, they're on every year Christmas. And uh, my friend's mom took us to the, see this pantomime. And they knew one of the cast members. So we went out the back to meet them afterwards. Oh, wow. And uh, me and my friend were really interested in the show and how it worked. And uh, this guy said, well, you should come, you should be in the show next year. If you join this local drama class uh, every weekend, then they train you up to be in the show next year. So we did that. And that was, I was 11. That was my first foray into sort of like um, semi-professional acting, I guess, because it was still amateur, but it was on a professional scale because a lot of people in the show were older than me and you know, were actors as a job. Um, one of them actually went on to become the first Roger in Rent. Oh, wow. Rent. Yeah. So um, 
I did those shows for a few years, and then at uh, age 16, I I got an agent uh, after my head teacher at school let us have the day off, me and my friends, to go and be in a, like a PSA, like a, a government commercial that someone he knew was shooting because he thought right. he'd enjoy it. And to me, that's a that was a pinnacle change, really, because me and my friend used to do all the shows at school. You know, we were always the guys that were leading the, the school plays. And I think that head teacher saw that in us. And that experience of sending us up to London and putting us in a professional environment, that really sort of changed everything. I, did, I don't think I realized at the time his insight or his help there. But on that set, we were just extras, you know, in the background. But we got to meet the star of that commercial who actually had his own TV show which we were, we were watching as kids. So we were kind of like, oh, this is cool. This is the Billy Webb guy that was watching TV. And we became friends. And we used to hang out because he lived in our local area. And he took us to go and meet his agent. So again, my sort of, my idea about relationships and networking comes from being helpful. This guy was already on a, he's a star of a TV show. He didn't need to see us as a threat. He helped us by introducing us to his agent, said, hey, here's a couple of talented guys you should meet. Uh, we went along to his agency, signed with the agency, and you know, a few months later, I made my own first commercial. So, do as, you think? Do you think hypothetically, if you didn't have like those early on experiences of a guy like of his, you know, magnitude in a sense, helping you out, going out of his way, thinking like, oh my God, why is he going out of his way for a kid like me who has like no experience? If he didn't do that, or if you had some poor experiences, do you think your mindset would have been shifted or altered in any way now? Yeah, I, I do. And also, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. You know, these are things you think about a lot later because we were all the same age. And so we just got on as kids get on. We were like all 14, 15 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so we would just hang out on our bikes and go around each other's houses. It was it was actually just because he's on TV didn't make that much of a difference to us. He was right. still a local kid, right? So it wasn't like he laid out some red carpet for us and paved the way. He, he was going to drama class in the evenings on a Thursday evening. He thought it was fun. So he's like, you should come along. Like someone might say, I'm going roller skating on Thursday. You should come along. Um, right. But what I know now about the business is a lot of people treat it very competitively and it is very protective. So he was actually being a really good guy by even introducing us in the first place and not keeping it to himself. You know, um, and look, I've had my fair share of bad experiences as well. And so I do think you've got to take take from it what you can and sometimes the bad experiences form you in a different way depending on your reaction to them you know do you think that not necessarily hollywood but the film industry in general has changed when it comes to people networking with each other or do you think it's still very closed off like there's a lot of people you know not willing to help out in a sense as opposed to people like you who are more than willing to help out with people you know that's that's a tricky question because as an industry the industry is open way wider than it's ever been, yeah. right? For a number of reasons. Number one, the internet, right? So geographically with sites like We Audition or even before that, you know, the casting websites like LA Casting or Spotlight or whatever, they make the business available to more people because you can be anywhere in the world now, or at least, you know, all over your country, and you can submit for auditions and jobs. So you have a shot. Back when I started, you had to have an agent if you yeah. didn't, the next best thing was looking in a physical newspaper. And trust me, most of the jobs that would advertise in a physical newspaper were not worth worth doing. There are a lot of scams 
in that. So it was literally you had to have an agent and that was your door in. Now people getting discovered on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, there's many agents out there. There's many methods of applying for jobs. And again, you've got to be careful because there's still scam ones out there. That's why, you know, if you are pursuing this career, you should use the professional sites like, you know, We Audition, like Casting Networks, like Spotlight, like IMDb, right? There's there's professional sites out there and there's not such good sites. Um, so there's that. That, that makes it technologically available. Then as an entire industry, the push for diversity and inclusivity is wonderful. The industry is waking up and realizing that the screen needs to represent life, not represent some tiny curation that's, that's controlled by a few people at, at the top, right? So we, we are opening up the doors for um, more people of more different types to be represented on screen. The downside of that is there's more competition, right? It means that that it's open to many more people. Now, some people take that in a in a bad way and think, oh, it's, you know, there's so much more competition. How am I ever going to get a shot? But the truth is you have a shot. And so that's how you got to reframe that mind because back when I did it, you know, yeah, I was lucky to get into the business at 16. I know many people that didn't. And there was sort of no way they couldn't come at it from social media or come at it from some other way. So what do you say to people that, you know, I'm sure there's not too many now, but back when you guys started that were skeptical of we audition, you know, talking about some of these different, you know, sites, networking stuff that people are like, I don't really know if that's for me. I don't really trust it. Like what I'm sure you did have some early on. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we did as well. There weren't that many to my face or by email, for yeah. instance, you know, people, people pretty much embraced it reasonably. We tried to put ourselves out of the faces of it early on, and we do very much so now, because I think in these days, you have to lend your credibility as a person. If you hide behind your company, it does look scammy, you know? Yep. Not always, but it's, you know, if you know somebody's personal credits, it can give you a, a little bit more of a, a comfortable idea. But, you know, Look, what I'll say to the skeptics, and this might sound cocky, but you know, the, you know that phrase, the early bird gets the worm, right? Right. It's it's like that. The people that signed up to us early, they got the biggest benefits because when we have these huge casting directors looking at the site in years one and two, and there's only a few hundred people on it, that's who they were looking at. You know, now there's thousands of people on there. Yeah, they're still looking, but you have you have more competition. I always like to. Uh, give this example of being an early adopter, right? Mm -hmm. When Uber first started, I was one of the first people to use the app in LA because my business partner, Richard, was living in San Francisco and he was using it up there. And he said, do you guys get this down here yet? And the minute it came, I signed up to it because I'd heard about his experience. So if you'd signed up to Uber at the start, every single time you ordered a taxi, it was a black Lincoln town car with a chauffeur but for the same price as a taxi. <laughs> so the people that decided to jump on that early were rolling around in chauffeur-driven cars while everyone else was, was taking yellow cabs. Wow. Know? That's so fascinating. Adopter. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. And Uber actually sponsored our launch party when we auditioned. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. They, they gave everyone free rides to and from the party. And it makes sense. You reach out to them, like, here's what we're doing. This is what's going on. They'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, all over that. That makes sense. So sometimes new companies, they're very supportive and they're very, you know, interesting. And if you get in a base level, you know, that can't be the case always. But I usually think if you get in a base level with something, you'll get more benefit. 
So being, you know, as curious as you are, again, like wanting to build relationships, having that natural instinct to connect with people, how long or how much have you grown along the way, you know, just through your own experiences, whether it be in film or in business or any other ventures that you might do? I'm, I'm always growing, Jack. It's like the, the growth never stops. And I think we, we go through sort of different parts of it as well. And, you know, there is always a lot of challenges. You know, every everything you do comes with challenges and comes with potential for growth. Um, the ways I've seen myself grow is is just with, like I said, with understanding leverage, understanding how to work smarter, with it being more focused with my time, you know, I feel like I can spend less time on something and achieve better results than I used to, right? Wow. And that just comes with experience. So, um, and also I feel like I can operate at a high level because I'm, I surround myself with people that are doing great things. And I bring people up and people above me bring me up. And so that's what we're all doing is we're all trying to rise. So I think the benefit of... Um, I don't want to say wisdom, that sounds a bit pompous, but the benefit of experience in, a, in an industry, in a market, is that you can look out there and see things and you, you've got context. So you you can sort of predict when certain things are going to happen. And that's whether it's me identifying someone who's talented to help them on their way, or it's knowing a mistake that I made in my business previously so I know not to make it again, you know? Right. Is there, I'm curious about this, curious to see what your answer will be for this. Uh, is there any sort of line that can be crossed when it comes to, you know, people reaching out to you and not like asking for something, but just being like, hey, like I heard about this potential role. Is there a way that you can hook me up with that? Or like whether it just be like with We Audition, can you help me with some of my lines? Because, you know, like those are two di very different asks. Like, is there a specific line that can be crossed when it comes to, again, connecting with someone and just asking for something that's absurd? Yeah, there absolutely is, right? And it, it doesn't just apply to me. I think the line that can be crossed is when people uh, aren't thoughtful about what they're doing, right? So I'll break it down really simply. If someone's just asking for something that only benefits them it's usually a pretty selfish and obnoxious ask right yeah now i don't mind if, if someone asks me something i can't i can't help them i don't mind saying i can't or i don't mind what i'll usually do is divert them to a resource that allow them to help themselves right i mean if someone says to me can you give me a role i actually can't <laughs> if i if i'm not producing something right now i can't give you a role i'm sorry even if I was producing something right now, um, I might not want to give you a role. But what, what I will do is say, no, hey, listen, here are the resources you need to use to, in order to to refine your your package and put yourself up these roles. But when it crosses the line is when people just have no idea what they're asking for and it's not even relevant to you. Um, that's, you know, so just I think if you are... I think it's good to ask what you want, right? But you just got to do it in a respectful way. Know, know who it is you're asking to, asking for something from. And, you know, don't ask for something that they obviously can't give you. So do a little research. Um, but also, I personally don't like to come from a place of asking. I like to come from a place of offering. Yep. So if you offer, you'll find that whatever it was you needed will probably come back to you in some way, shape, or form once you develop that relationship. But people that just ask all the time, they they get weeded out real quick, and especially in Hollywood, right? So Hollywood is actually a really, really lovely, 
open, welcoming place. But the people that fly into town and just try and see what they can extract from it, everybody sort of leaves them alone. No, I mean, you're totally right in the sense of you have to phrase it in a way where it comes off as, okay, you genuinely want to learn and grow here as opposed to just being like, I want to be on TV. Like, can I get this role? Or can you help me out, like, find a connection to get me at least an audition for this role? Because they both come off in completely different ways, two different entities there. Well, you know, a lot of people do send emails being like, um, yeah, I, I want this role on TV, right? Well, so do I. We all do. Yep. You know, and then the other part of that, you know, when, when it's really unattractive is when people really, they think it's confidence, but they really rate themselves. Like, they're like, I should be on this TV show. I'm better than Brad Pitt. Right. Really? It should really? have been are me. You, are you actually better than Brad Pitt? You might be. You might be. But you saying that when you've done zero training and you've done zero work, you know, Brad Pitt, I, I've seen a film with Brad Pitt where he says almost two words in the entire film. He put his hours in. Don't worry. Right. You know? 100%. Was there ever a time that you not asked for something, but again, like reached out to someone and was kind of, you know, a little nervous, a little anxious of what the response was going to be when trying to break into the industry? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, I just helped a friend out yesterday. He called me asking him about how to approach agents, you know, by email, because he just moved to LA. He wants to get an agent there. And we, we talked through sort of his, his approach. And yeah, I remember I was able to give him this advice because I remember many times of me thinking I might be writing the wrong thing. And he had all the same fears that I did. You know, he said, oh, well, what if I say this and they think this? And I said to him, look, as long as you're respectful and you're, you're professional and you're kind and you're nice and you've done your research, someone that's going to be annoyed at you saying something, unless it's rude, right? Right. They're not the kind of person you want to be business with anyway, because if they've got that much time to be getting annoyed at you that's over you emailing them when they didn't want you to, they they've got too much time in their hands. Yeah, they're you not going to have a good experience anyway. Like, be yeah. yourself, be genuine to who you are, and then if they don't want you, like that's their loss. Exactly. It's it's literally just you know I don't think you go wrong if you're kind, professional, well researched, and, and courteous. You know what I mean? Who's going to have an argument with that? I won't. I yeah. promise. I mean, this is, Jack, this is exactly why we're sat on this chat. Because you reached out to me with a, a kind offer. You said, I'd love to interview in your show. I looked up your show. I'm like, great, let's do it. I, I saw, you know, Jerry Springer and Tommy Chong and all these people. Yeah. It. I was like, yeah, this, this guy's professional. He's nice. I didn't need to, I, I didn't need to understand where I came from or like, oh, how does he have my email or anything like that? Right. It was a kind offer and I, I'm, I'm honored to be on it. LinkedIn, by the way, that's how I found it. There you go. The intuition well, to figure it out. That's a good question. What, like, why me? Why? How did you find me, and why? What, why did this relationship come about? Uh, well, again, I I majored in sports management at school, aspiring sportscaster, obviously a podcaster as well, but I also minored in film, screenwriting. I wanted to direct stuff, still looking to get a chance to shoot some stuff, still want to act a lot more, and obviously your background. Um, I think you actually met one of my friends at the, the Cannes Film Festival. Tatiana. Tatiana Apodaca. How'd you know that? Because uh, she's the only person I see following you on Instagram. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I love So you Tatiana. did your homework too? Yeah, she's great. We, uh, we met at the uh, Sylvester Stallone's Rambo 5 party. 
That must yeah. have been a blast. It was. That, that's in Paris, it was, right? It was so so boring. No way, really. I'm joking. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> We we had a great time, yeah. So it was in, in Cannes Film Festival in 2019. Yeah, wow. I was out there. I met Tatiana and her mom, Cynthia. They're they're great. Was that the last film festival that you went to in person? That was the last Cannes I went to in person. Uh, but after that, no, I did I did so many festivals that year. I did um, Venice, I did Toronto, I did uh, Hainan in China, I did Berlin Film Festival. Um, we did the Emmys. We did a ton of stuff that year. Wow. I'm Darren. I mean, Look I at me. Look festivals. at all that. Yeah, I went to more film festivals in 2019 than I've been in my entire life. I went to all of the big ones. Wow. And then the world just And then the world just collapsed. Yeah. So have I was you been to any since? Two weeks before the, the lockdowns. Have you been to any since? No. Um, I'm debating going to Cannes next week, but I'm still debating it. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got very little time to decide. I mean, I do everything last minute anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you you got a lot on your plate today. So the last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up the show, we got a few images in the system for you. And I basically just want you to describe, we've been doing this the past couple of shows, and I'm really enjoying it, kind of workshopping it, kind of okay. feeling it out. But we got a few pictures. I think you want to throw something up so that Darren can describe what's going on. This is the new film, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. Let's start out with a bang here. What the heck is this? This is a character called Clive. Um, he, I, I play Clive in this film called Abruzzo, which is a puppet horror film um, starring Jordan Peele, an Oscar winner Jordan Peele, um, and some other really big horror legends like Robert England and Sid Haig. Um, and it's made from lifelike, life-size puppets. So that guy you just showed us is actually full-size, human-size. Uh, but it's in a real environment, so everything's oh, wow. going to be puppets in real sets. And it's a movie that's taken quite a while to to get together, and uh, it just wrapped a couple of months ago. After you know, because they carried on shooting as soon as they could after the pandemic. Um, and it's got some great cast in it, like Hannah May Lee from Pitch Perfect, uh, James Masters, you know. And it's a really interesting story. But um, we're hoping it's going to do really, really well because obviously Jordan Peele is a a modern horror legend, right. Robert England, who played Freddy Krueger as a classic horror legend, and I play a very bad guy, as you saw. <laughs> so is, is that fun for you? Again, because you're in a room, it's basically a voiceover, right? You're reading the lines, yeah. and then you're, you're seeing it later on. Right. Yeah, it is fun, because I didn't even see the, the physical character. I only saw sketches of what he was like. So, yeah, you really are creating a character with your voice, not not knowing what the environment so you got some storyboards and ideas but yeah you really have to sort of think about what he's going through in that point wow so what what else we got hank we had abruptio this one was very interesting <laughs> i immediately threw that one in there when i saw it andy andy and Chaz burger off to america or booger off to america yeah that was a really fun project so when i first moved to la um i met the guy on the left there craig robert young He's a, a really successful English actor in uh, in L.A. And we met in the bathroom line at a party and just, like, headed off talking about film and stuff. He was collaborating with another guy, Richard Keith, who's a very kind of... He's, he's a director of great, like, fun gangster kind of stuff. And that project actually came about because there's a writer's strike in L.A. in 2008. So when the writers were striking, 
the TV show stopped. When the TV show stopped, the audition stopped. So we had nothing to do. And so we just got a group of us together to like write some ideas that we could film just for fun. And out of one of those sessions came these two characters, Andy and Chaz, who were on the run from England after like bungling robbery. And they wound up in LA with no money and no shoes on their feet and had to start a life anew. And they decided they would get into the Hollywood film business, but wow. using their gangster techniques of extortion and kidnapping to make things happen. It's unorthodox. So, yeah, so for instance, the first episode, they, they kidnapped one of the most famous actors and, and literally blackmailing him into, into doing the film. Um, so it's a fun sort of gangster comedy. Um, and that went through various iterations. At one point, we, uh, we sold the option to the former president of Warner Brothers to develop as a TV show. Then it went into a feature film idea. Um, we filmed it as a web series, so it's out there to watch the web series. Um, and yeah, so there's a feature film idea that's still still on a shelf. We might pick it up again at some point, um, but we'll see how it works. I'd be very interested to see how that plot goes. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, that's for sure. All right, next on the agenda. See, this I took from your Instagram page. I was just very curious where this was oh. and how you snapped that. Well, okay, so <laughs> this was 2019. Um, I was on the rooftop of, I forget the hotel now, it's a very famous hotel in Rome. And I was at my friend's wedding. Um, it was the wedding of Tora Kim and Brandon Lake. So Tora, I met at an Emmys event in LA. We just got, got chatting at um, the Emmys. And she said, I'm getting married next year in Italy. Um, and she was also going to be in Cannes Film Festival. So she, she stayed in the, the wee audition house at Cannes. And a couple of months later, I went along to her wedding. And that was during the reception. There just started to be a thunderstorm. And the lightning was hitting the ground every single time. Wow. Uh, so, wow. you know, I wanted to capture the perfect shot. So I did cheat. I, I filmed it <laughs> and then took a screenshot. Oh, my God. But that happened a few times, that, that line strike. It's very, very amazing. Nobody a, nobody got hurt that you know of? Um, not that I know of. Not that I know of. Oh, my goodness. I, I, don't, I don't, that was, that was over the other side of the, uh, the city. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, then we went to the Venice Film Festival after that. So that was a That's good. in between film festivals wedding. Took your mind off of it. <laughs> All right. What else, Hank? MacGyver. What was this? Yeah. The reboot? Because there was one in the 80s, right? Exactly. So this is the reboot, and the guy on the floor there, um, Lucas, is the new MacGyver. Um, so I think this is, in a, it's a few seasons deep now. Um, but, yeah, I played a British terrorist in that. Um, nice. So I got to wrap up MacGyver and Bozo there. So, um, yeah. Do you was... like playing the, uh, the quote-unquote heel villain more than being a good guy in a film? Because I feel like I would. You know what? I really enjoy it. Here's the thing. I can't really say whether I like it more than because I almost never play the good guy. <laughs> I play drug drug addicts and criminals and rock stars and and bad guys. And that's just my thing. You know, I just did a film in Hawaii where I played the director of a reality dating show. Oh. And I thought, oh, OK, okay that's, that's like nice and nice and like light. Until I get the script and I realize I'm the um, a-hole director of the reality show. <laughs> <Always a laughs> naturally, <bad> <laughs> naturally. I don't know. Immediately when I think of those roles, I'm like, I'm sign me up. Rock star, drug addict. Right. Like, I can pull that so off. Why? Because it's fun and you can have some 
you know, acting to me is about stepping outside your box and doing something fun and different. So I, I love those roles because it gets gets me into like a little zone where I can have some fun. We got any more, Hank? Or is that it? Oh, here we go. This is you and <laughs> yeah. So why why all the clocks? What are you guys doing here, you and Richard? This is my business partner, Richard, and I. Um, and this was, I think this was just before the pandemic, maybe, or maybe it was last year. Some, yeah, like I'm losing track of time these days, but that was in his hometown of Bristol. Um, we just got out to have some fun at one of those escape room places. <laughs> so that was uh, like one of those challenges. Um, and his wife took that picture for us. We just thought it was kind of a fun setting so we decided to mess around <laughs> with the props oh my god i mean you gotta have that balance right but you, you gotta yeah. be able to have we did be the escape room so it shows that how in tune me and richard are for for you know technical stuff and mathematics <laughs> so you know besides from obviously surrounding yourself with the right people uh yeah. before i let you go balance for you i feel like is key like i don't think there is any such thing as balance but you know you have all these different projects you have your hands in so many different things how do yeah. you how do you stay sane besides from you know obviously loving what you do you have to have you know that time to recuperate kind of to, to decompress a little bit yeah you know jack it's a challenge like i'm the same as all of us we all go through up, up days and down days we you know, there's they, I wake up in beautiful Hawaii sometimes and I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed, right? Right. Uh, it, depends, it depends what's going through your mind, what's happened in your personal life at the time, you know. And I've, I've had an amazing couple of last years and I've also had a challenging couple of last years, you know, in many ways, in both in my personal relationships and in finances and in moving around and not being with family and all these things. Um, but balance, yeah, you're right, is key. And I, I try and maintain a balance between projects I also try and maintain a balance between my social and my downtime. And that's something I've really um, gotten a lot better at is that I used to be able to work so, so hard until silly o'clock in the morning. And like I would burn the candle at both ends and my, my kind of mental health and my health would suffer. But now I make sure I, I make time for working out. I make time for exercise. I make time for meditation. I make time for listening to podcasts. I make time for seeing friends and just being present not for any, you know, in somewhere like LA, there's a lot going on where it's industry focused. So even if you're out in the evening, it's business. But I make sure to step away from that and just have time learning about my friends or going for a nice dinner or whatever, just because you need to take that time out in order to be productive when you're in. And good sleep, good food, all of that stuff. Well, let's see what... It's next on your agenda because you posted it on Instagram. <laughs> it was interview with me, and then you got a lunch meet with an entrepreneur, Joey Katzen. So we don't want to keep yeah, Joey Joey's waiting. Joey's a guy I've met in Hawaii here. Um, he runs a lot of entrepreneurial projects. You know, he's got a, a startup incubator, and he's like an interesting guy. I haven't got to know him properly yet. So uh, something I've been craving on the island is is some people that work in tech and entrepreneurship. So we're gonna have a little jam. What's what, what's the pilot script reading? I could tell you, but I'm signing, signed to an NDA. Oh, so oh, oh. But it's, just, right. it's, it's a writer's idea that we're just going to workshop with them right after this. Next, next podcast, we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, and then you add devouring tasty food. That That's a fun way to end the day. Exactly. My friend reached out. She's a great Vietnamese chef. She reached out. I was like, can I? Because I just got back to the island. She's like, can I make you dinner on a Wednesday night? And I'm like, yes, you can. Yes. She's literally made some of the best food I've tasted 
on this island. <laughs> well, I'm jealous as hell, and I'll let you go. But, Darren, again, thanks for being gracious enough to take the time out of your day, the last hour or so out of your day. I'm glad we finally got to do this after some rescheduling. Uh, this was episode 377 of The O Show, again, presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Jack, for having me. I appreciate it. 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 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.